Welcome back to Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017, the team. Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser, and joining us in studio as our Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline guest is former University of New Mexico women's basketball coach Don Flanagan. And any time we have a chance to get caught up with Coach Flanagan, we're going to take advantage of it. Coach, great to see you. It seems like life is good for you, my friend. Well, it's pretty good, yes. Um, I'm enjoying most of it. Uh, retirement I'm talking about. Get to see my grandkids play basketball. I get to uh, play a little golf. I get to go work out and get to eat too much. <laughs> <laughs> and and also in better weather as well of not only golf, but you still, I'm assuming, fly fishing a little here and there. I am. Um, right after I'm getting a knee replacement next week, so... I'm I'm going to have to put that on hold until it warms up and my knee gets better. Get a new knee. Yeah, you got to be careful out there doing yeah, that. Yes, um, but one way or the other, from the time you retired, you pretty much have been able to really enjoy life. Not only the golf and your grandkids and all that kind of stuff, Coach, but also you know going back and forth to Taos, uh, the Taos Pueblo. Your wife owns a shop there at the she plaza, does. right? She has a gallery there. It's called Wahela's. Taos Pueblo Gallery. It's there. It's not full-time. She's open about eight months out of the year. She has some beautiful things. And we just actually, she just closed. Usually the tourist season ends right around now and then picks up again March and April. So we'll be back open again during that time. And I help a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good reason to go to Taos one way or the other. Okay. So um, we're going to get into some of the stuff. You know, of course, the career you had as the head coach at the University of New Mexico. But I always found your story on how you even got here to be really interesting. Not from the Southwest. Here's a guy that loves the Southwest more than anybody, Coach Flanagan. But actually far from growing up in the Southwest. East Hartford, Connecticut, which is across the river from Hartford, a huge northeastern town. Blue-collar town you grew up in. Yeah, um, Pratt & Whitney was probably the prime employer for almost everybody in the whole town not my dad he was he was a salesman but uh there was 36,000 workers I actually worked there nights for a while worked there from 12 at night till 7 in the morning and what is Pratt Whitney Pratt Whitney's a aircraft engine maker okay and actually now on that land they have the University of Connecticut's football field is on there Interesting. That's yeah. a great story. UConn yeah. plays football on that. Yeah, uh, that they do in a beautiful, brand new facility. No doubt. You grew up there and played, you know, your fair share of really competitive high school basketball. Your team would have to compete amongst some of the best players in the state of Connecticut, which is not too far from New York City and such. So I want to make yeah. sure people realize that. You know, during that time, New England sent two teams from each state, there's six states in New England, to Boston Garden after those two teams went to their state tournament, individual state tournament, and then they went to Boston Garden and played each other. So the teams that we, actually, we we beat the team that won the New England. Okay. But but we had two teams from Hartford went that year, uh, Hartford Public and Buckley, and they went to Boston Garden. They met each other again in the New England Championship, and Hartford Public won by one point. 
But uh, that was a special event when I was a kid. After we get done with the season, we would listen to those games in Boston Garden on radio. Oh, absolutely. And so you had these two Hartford teams going actually into Boston to play in this special game that matched up the biggest schools in that part of the country. And so that's what you're talking about as far as how important basketball was where you grew up. And, of course, the Celtics were were kings in that part of the world. I mean, I know the the Knicks were good. Basketball was really growing in that part of the world. Well, I, I saw the Boston Celtics at my high school. And I saw Wilt Chamberlain at my high school. <laughs> During the summertime, we had a promoter, and he would get the some of these NBA. And at that time, NBA players, you know, they weren't paid millions no. and millions of dollars. A lot of them had, were car dealers <laughs> during the summertime. And I saw Bob Cousy, Bill Sharman. I, I did see Bill Russell one time, uh, Tommy Heinsohn, all these guys. Bill Sharman uh, spoke at our end-of-the-year uh, deal with our basketball team so Celtics were big and I did see Will Chamberlain there I've never seen anybody so big in my life (laughs) (laughs) well from there you know you ended up going to college and playing college basketball in Durango Colorado at Fort Lewis okay so was there a recruiting trip or this was something just over the phone where hey the coach said come out here I think we have a spot for you and you found a way to get out there tell us about that how did you get from East Hartford, Connecticut, to Durango, Colorado. I'll give you a little bit prior to that, because I went to Hartwick College in New York, played basketball there, and dropped out early. And then from there, went in the service. Went to Europe actually uh, with a buddy of mine, ran around Europe for a while, and then uh, they told me, "Don't go over there to Europe because you're draft eligible." Well, they found me in Paris. And anyway, I came back, had to go in the service. I, I went in uh, Air National Guard in Connecticut, and I was there for three years. And I wanted to get back. I'd been playing basketball. I had my own team. A guy came. He says, uh, I want you to play the prelims for all these semi-pro games. And I said, sure. And he said, what's the name of your team? And I said, I have, we don't even have a name. He said, well, you'll be, how many Flanagans are on your team? I said, well, there's two, sometimes three. He said, you guys are the Flanagan All-Stars. <laughs> so we played the, we were the Flanagan All-Stars and played all around Connecticut and stuff. I played in prisons. I played in maximum <laughs> prisons. played in, in uh, the lower level prisons. A lot of people from my neighborhood were in well, there. Well, we got to <laughs> say, I guess the other one or two Flanagans were your brothers. Yeah. Uh, right, that's right. Correct. Okay, okay. So, you, so you're doing that and then... How do you get to Durango? So then there's a guy out in Durango that was from East Hartford. And he told the coach at Fort Lewis, he said, hey, this guy Flanagan can play some basketball. And so the coach calls me on a Thursday. I was working for the Hartford Electric Light Company. And I get a call on Thursday. He said, you come out here and and you get your grades up for the summertime and I'll give you a scholarship in September. And I said, okay, when's this summer semester begin? He said, Monday. And this was Thursday. So I quit my job on Friday, got on a plane on Saturday, flew to Denver, hitchhiked from Denver down (laughs) to Colorado Springs, got another ride to Pueblo, Colorado. Then this guy in an old pickup truck, farmer guy, rancher, picked me up and started going back east. So I started heading the wrong way. 
And I figured, I, you know, I wasn't that familiar with Colorado. I said, I think I'm going the wrong way. It was pitch black. Okay. And so uh, he, I said, let me out here. And I get out, and there's no cars coming back and forth, and it's just pitch black. So I went off the road a bit. I took a bunch of my stuff out of my bag. I had my service bag with me and uh, spent the night on the ground out there. And uh, that was my approach to Colorado. <laughs> Got yes. up the next day. Obviously, we were next, able to get get a ride. Day, I heard a tractor trailer coming at dawn. I mean, it was the crack of dawn. I heard a truck because there was hardly any traffic on that road. And I ran out. I had clothes all over me. I had my socks on my hand. <laughs> it, was, it was a fairly chilly night. And I ran out there. I assume so, w- yeah. W- waved down the truck. You know, and the guy said, where are you headed? And I said, I was heading toward Durango, Colorado. He said, I can take you to Alamosa. Got to Alamosa. I got several drives. Got back to uh, Durango on Sunday, and it was Sunday night when I got there. And I had a place to go. That My buddy from East Hartford said, go over to this guy, and if you mow his lawns and stuff, you can stay for free. So I went over to the house, talked to him. He said, yeah. Pick a room. There was 22 rooms in this uh, in this building. Right. So just pick a room. So I picked one way up to the top in a gable. On a, and I had a fire escape on the on the window. I kind of liked that view across Durango. <laughs> so I spent until until they didn't turn on the heat. I spent some time there. <laughs> All right. So then you know uh, the on rest. That, on that Monday, I was on campus. Yeah, so and you're getting your grades together, and yeah, then uh, you know you you had a season in which you averaged 14 a game and five and a half rebounds a game. So quite a player at the college level. You get done playing. Coaching is kind of in your blood. You go back to Connecticut. Well, the first time I I, I had a job, I went back to Connecticut, but uh, a buddy of mine from Hobbs called me, said, there's a job in Guyana, New Mexico. Oh, that's right. Okay, I saw yeah. that. Where yeah. is it? I saw Guyana, New Mexico, and I know most small, I mean, I know Dulce and all this other. Yeah, Where well, is Guyana? Guyana is just outside Cuba. As you're going up the hill outside Cuba, there's a right-hand turn. Okay. You probably missed that turn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You take, you take that right turn, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. There's, I don't even think there's a red light. But anyway, there's school out there, Coronado High, high School, and that's where I coach. That and that was, was a boys' team? That was a boys' okay, team. Okay, then that's you're great. there for a year. You go back for a year to Connecticut. I go back to Connecticut, couldn't get a job. The next year I got a job in Stonington, Connecticut, as a junior high school coach. It was there, there it's 7th, uh, 8th, and ninth grade kids. And, and I had an undefeated team there, really enjoyed those kids. Um, most of them were fishermen's kids. You know, we were right on, Stonington is right on the water in Connecticut, just a beautiful little spot. I got to ask you, how did your Galena team do? Did you win any games? No, we were awful. Oh, okay. We were awful. We, um, I, I didn't, didn't have any seniors or anything, okay. so I, what I did was I started two freshmen, and, and by the end of the year, you know, in the beginning, I could take anybody, and we'd whoop them. I'd play even because I was still, you know, at that age where I'd play. And uh, at the end of the year, I had to pick out the better players so that we could win. No kidding. All right, so you come back to the Southwest, though, after this stint in Connecticut where yes. you had a really good 
junior high team, and you go to Arizona, Western Arizona, and you coach boys again at Window Rock and Fort Defiance. So that is what got you back to this part of the the world. And those two boys teams, man, you know, playing in state tournaments big time in the state of Arizona and, like, got to a state championship. So, like, you, you know, from the time you had that team in junior high, you were used to winning okay let's face it and then from there you go to el dorado high school get that job el dorado was the prime location in the state uh, certainly in the city you know the school was growing and a lot of athletes and you really capitalized on your situation there coach yeah and i took over a strong program anyway i mean they they were very good but i wasn't used to having girls i just treated it just the same as i would treat the boys right and um we had some very fine players. I had a parade All-American at that time, Becky Smetana, and I don't think, I'm not sure there's another parade All-American that New Mexico's ever had. That's pretty big time, a yeah. parade All-American. Remember yeah. those days, Coach. And yeah, we, we went 28-0, and um, she wasn't the only one. We had some really fine players. <laughs> and, then, I... and then the next year, we went 26-0, and and I was thinking of going <laughs> to the boys' And I said, now we've won like 50-something games in a row. Right. I think I'll stay around, you know. <laughs> and so the next year we got beat, and I think we ended up with a 64 straight wins or something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. Your record overall at El Dorado, 401 <laughs> wins, 13 losses. So that kind of sums it up, 11 state championships. You then, people are trying to court you to be the head coach at the University of New Mexico for the women's program, a women's program, mind you, that had just gone dormant for a couple of years. Okay, right? Am I right on that? Yeah. And and then, well, what happened was they weren't very successful. Then they ended the program completely. Then they reestablished the program about four years later. Okay. And I applied for that position. And at that time, and I was the number one, uh, they had a committee of coaches that recommended the person, the next coach. Okay. And all seven of them recommended me. <laughs> so what? But somehow I didn't get it. Okay, you didn't <laughs> okay. get it. Okay, we'll uh, leave it at that. All right. And then, But then four years later, you know, it, the opportunity came around yeah, again. Yeah, and when they called me, I said, you know, last time I came there and, and I applied and you guys said, uh, yeah, everybody said, yeah, it's Flanagan. We want Flanagan. And then the next thing I know, I, I don't have it. Somebody <laughs> else has it. So I said, I'm, I'm not going to apply. And then they said, well, you can have the job. Okay. <laughs> and I said, well, let me think about it. So I thought about it, and I said yes. I went and saw Rudy. And then I came back, and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I was so stupid at the time. I was such a high school guy. I didn't even ask for a raise. I should have said, hey, I need more money. I need a longer contract. So the first four years, I was so high school oriented. I had a one-year contract. There's not a coach in America that has a one-year contract. And I had four or five of them. (laughs) The good thing I didn't lose because I'd have been gone. (laughs) Well, you didn't lose. That's for darn sure. And those first couple of years, the, the crowd went from... A minimal, uh, I'll use that word, minimal, to literally 
tens of thousands uh, in some cases. You know, over 10,000, I should say. You know, there was one that was 18,000. But people need to realize, like, it was... There was literally 50 to 75 people when you first inherited the program. It was a, uh, I went to a game, and I could not believe it. There was The only people there was the officials and the scorekeeper and the timekeeper and a few parents, I guess, you know, that came in, but it was really an embarrassment. And so when I got there, I said one of my things, I went in and talked to Rudy, and I said, look, uh, let's just charge $30 for a season ticket. You know, I mean, we don't even have to make any money, but let's get people in the building. You know, as, uh, New Mexico's a basketball state. And it if it's women, they'll come to good basketball. You know, that's my job to try and make a good basketball, but let's get them here. He went out and promoted it with a lot of uh, the donors. Yeah. And lots of people, but some people bought 100 season tickets early on. Right. And so my first... The first time we had a media event, it was at 1 o'clock for us, 2 o'clock for the men. And so I come down the ramp at 1 o'clock, and I knew all the sports writers. Yeah. So I'm down there talking, you know, expecting to see people that I had talked to at state tournaments, and uh, nobody's there. And so for the first 55 minutes, there's not a soul there. And then at 5 till Two, when the men's media event is, and they're Bruce. all down there. Yeah, they're all down there. So I told the guy, I told him, I, I said, hey, come here. I, I want to tell you something. I said, we're going to have 10,000 people here to watch a women's game someday. No and those kidding. guys, they put that in the paper. Okay. And, and then we went to work on that. Uh, I used to have little kids play at halftime, and the parents would come. And that, and once they saw us play, and I told our players, look, if you play hard and you play smart, you play together. You don't have to win everything, but you got, you know, you you make somebody proud of the way you give effort. And we weren't the greatest team, but we weren't bad. We actually that year we actually went to the uh, the WAC championship game, and there was ten thousand people there. And that that was back in that actually, and that game was in the pit, right? Uh, they it, held it. Yeah. After yeah. that, they, all of the people that were in the WAC said, we're not going back there for the tournament. So that's how I got back to Vegas. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Vegas was pretty darn good to you, too, Coach. Vegas okay, okay. Um, you know, you, you actually you went to 13 straight postseasons, uh, including seven NCAA tournaments there in a stretch. And you only coached 16 years at New Mexico. So that gives you an idea of the level of success you guys had. So... Let's talk about Vegas, dude. I, I mean, like, the women's games were an event in Vegas. I mean, you had yeah. Doug Flutie flying in. You had, <laughs> you know, great teams, and everybody was in awe about your fan base. I mean, those yeah. are great memories, Coach. Yeah, absolutely. Also, we played in Denver three times. And, right. And, I was in know, the middle of we it. Won, yes. We won some in Denver, too. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to discount Denver, yeah. but I remember yeah. just... yeah. But, no, the fans showed up in Denver, but I'm just thinking Vegas for whatever reason. Well, Vegas... Vegas, you know, to me, was the natural place to go. Right. I mean, all the other conferences want to be in Vegas, and even the Mountain West started talking about getting out of Vegas, and they were going, no way. Why? You know? And now everybody's there. Everybody, yeah, they, they're all trying to get in there, but they're not at Thomas & Mack. No, they're not. Which is a great event. It, it is a great venue. Yes, you know, traffic is. flow and everything is Absolutely. not bad, It's and it's a great venue. 
And I sure like going out there. I had my whole family out there for a period of time. We had some great games. Uh, it was always a great event to be, to be in Vegas. No doubt, and yeah. the viewing parties and all that kind of stuff for the NCAA tournament. All right, Coach. Well, uh, man, thank you so much for your time. Uh, yeah. I do want to mention, you're proud of your entire family, of course. Your son, Shane, is in the mortgage business. It's called uh, He works for Director's Mortgage, yeah. and I want to make sure that people know that you got a guy there that is going to be the man to help, right? Yeah, he's a great guy. He's very, very efficient. Um, you know, he, he was my assistant for five years. He was a heck of a high school player. He played at Boise, Boise State. State. Yeah. yeah, I hate to mention that, that he played at Boise State. No, man, that's, a, that's street cred, man, <laughs> because Boise State's a good program. We, you I'll, know that. I'll tell you something. My granddaughter, who has Down syndrome, went to the game the other day. She went to the Boise State game, and she had a Boise State shirt on that Shane put on her. And then underneath it, she had a Lobo shirt. <laughs> so she was supposed to cheer for Boise State, and she's at the pit. And it took about two minutes of all the crowd. getting. She pulled off that Boise State shirt, and she was a Lobo. Well, there you go. Okay, that pretty much tells you all you need to know about the Flanagan family and, and Lobos. Yeah, Coach Flanagan's son, Shane, he works at Director's Mortgage. Uh, this is Shane Flanagan, Director's Mortgage, and he can help you by simply calling 505-688-7256. The number again is 505, and then it's 688 688- 7256 you can call him you can text him uh, and he'll answer any of the questions you have and he and like coach flanagan said a, a very very sharp guy and will take good care of you all right coach man good seeing you we'll see you again on the golf course very soon once things warm up once well we- you got this knee injury yeah so that well, might put a, a damper on that for a little bit longer yes for a little longer but i'm planning on I mean, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get it. When you can't bend down and put a T in the ground right. anymore, it hurts too much, then I think you need a new knee. Yeah, or or with you, you know, reaching into the cup after you make all those 20-footers. 20, yeah. 20 yes. Y- you know? And you need to be my partner. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Coach. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, always I a pleasure. appreciate it, Joe. Okay. I always enjoy talking with you. You got it. That's the legendary... Coach Don Flanagan joining us here on Team Talk. All right, we got more Team Talk next. ESPN Radio 1017, the team.